Welcome to Reinventing Professionals, a podcast hosted by industry analyst Ari Kaplan, which shares ideas, guidance, and perspectives from market leaders shaping the next generation of legal and professional services. This is Ari Kaplan, and I'm speaking today with Vikram Savkar, the Vice President and General Manager of International and Higher Education Markets at Walters Kluwer Legal and Regulatory. Hi, Vikram. How are you? I'm fine, Ari. Nice to be on with you, and thanks very much for having me. I feel fortunate. So tell us about your role at Walters Kluwer and how the company works with law schools and law students. Happy to do it. Uh, I manage a couple of businesses within legal and regulatory. One, which we're mostly going to be talking about today, based in the Boston area, is Walters Kluwer Legal Education. And we are the leading provider of digital solutions, content, and textbooks to law schools in the United States and around the world. We work with pretty much every law school in a variety of ways. And the other is the Kluwer Law International Business in the Netherlands that deals with digital solutions for cross-border legal issues, arbitration, cross-border tax, and so on. But I think we'll be talking much less about that today. So it's to do with some of the really exciting initiatives that we're pushing in the legal education business that we're looking forward to chatting with you about. I read about your recent Leading Edge Prize for Legal Education Innovation. Why did Walters Kluwer establish that prize? Great. Well, let me tell you a bit of a story about how we got here, and then we'll get into the prize itself. So not too long ago, several years ago, the legal education business was largely a print business, like most educational businesses and textbook businesses. And over the last five or six years, what we've done is very ambitiously and aggressively reinvented it as the leading provider of digital solutions to law schools. That means we've transitioned our content and our authors into a new platform called casebookconnect.com, through which we share our information and our educational services with students at 200 plus law schools in the U.S. and many, many law schools around the world. And we've really been at the forefront of the movement to move learning materials to a digital foundation in the U.S., I'm happy to say. That journey has put us into contact with a lot of leading innovators and leading thinkers across the law school world in the U.S. and internationally, people who have really brilliant ideas about how to change the way law school connects with students, how to adapt to new technologies. And what we decided about four or five years ago was we knew so many of these brilliant thinkers that we were in a unique position to be able to gather them in one place every year and run a conference that was designed to gather their thoughts create connections between them and foster collective innovation across many law schools. And so we did that. It was called the Leading Edge Conference, which we host in Illinois every July, the week after the 4th of July. It's an invitation-only conference, and it's an incredibly high-powered event. It's about three days, and at the end of three days, everyone walks away feeling incredibly excited about new directions that they can go. This year was the fifth anniversary And we decided in honor of the fifth anniversary of this event that's really just grown by leaps and bounds every year, we would do more than create connections between people and then let them go off and innovate on their own. We decided we would actually invest in their innovations and help them turn their ideas into a reality. So we announced the Leading Edge Prize, which is two $10,000 awards to teams of attendees who had ideas that they were willing to submit that they were really eager to do and that they felt would make a huge difference for students, new associates, essentially emerging lawyers. And that was the genesis of the prize. 
Tell us about the winners of this year's prize and how they were chosen. So there were two winners. We chose two very different projects. One had to do with a very data-heavy research project on how to ensure that law schools can be a successful environment for all students, including non-traditional students and minority students, and the other to do with helping new associates at large law firms find better opportunities for pro bono and, and low bono work. So I'll speak about the first one first. We awarded the grant to two professors whom we know extremely well from Temple and Wake Forest, who've been attendees at the conference and are leading scholars on the issue of how to create successful environments for minority students and non-traditional students. But they now want to do something that has never really been done in a systematic way, which is to gather data from many different law schools of many different kinds on what techniques have worked for them to ensure high graduation rates, high bar passage rates, high success rates for students from non-traditional backgrounds. And by pulling all of that data together and subjecting it to a rigorous analysis, they want to be in a position to publish for the law school community as a whole techniques that everybody can implement to help make sure that all law students can succeed. And it would be the first of its kind, and we're very excited to be on the ground floor of helping them do that. The other project, as I mentioned, is quite different. It's aimed at new associates. As you know, new associates get to big law firms and they want to participate in pro bono or low bono activities to help people who deeply need access to justice but don't have the means for traditional legal avenues. But sometimes it's difficult for them to find those clients. So pro bono and low bono are a duo of startups that are related to each other that are uh, essentially use social networking to match up new associates at law firms with people around the country who uh, don't have means, who really need legal help. So it falls under the category of access to justice and social justice. And we're happy to give the grant to these two startups in conjunction with their academic partners, Suffolk in law in Boston and Concord in California. Until now, they've been focusing mostly on lawyers in California. And with our grant, they're going to be able to plant an operation in Boston and start to reach out to lawyers and people who need legal help on the East Coast. So two very different ways that we felt that our connections with the community and the money that we could invest in this program would help introduce some things into the community that might make a long-term difference. I actually had the privilege of visiting Professor Tenenbaum at Suffolk Law School and his team. They're really doing quite extraordinary work, so it's nice to hear that they've been acknowledged in this way. Absolutely. Professor Tenenbaum, Gabe, is one of the most exciting people in the community. He's a perfect example of somebody who attends Leading Edge and really throws off so many compelling ideas. And he's doing great work there at Suffolk with his team. He felt very passionately about this project. We know him partly through proximity and partly through the conference. And we were very happy to work with him and his partners on this project. And I'm sure he's going to see it through to make sure that it has a big impact. So I had the honor of producing a business of law study on behalf of New York Law School this year, for which I interviewed corporate counsel, law firm leaders, big four leaders, other technology experts to determine how the law school and how law schools generally can develop programs and institutes that would support students. How else are law schools driving innovation to expand educational and career opportunities for their students? Well, I think there's so much going on, actually, is what's exciting. Uh, When I first started working with the legal education business six years ago, five or six years ago, law schools were just at the beginning of the cycle of really 
thinking deeply about how to change their programs for the new century. And that, that was driven by a lot of dynamics that were at play in the market. And now five or six years later, they're very far from the beginning of that thought process. They're well into it. And nearly every law school is coming up with incredibly compelling ideas. There's so much experimentation. You see clinics emerging at so many different schools as part of a move towards more experiential education, less focus on, on lecturing in a classroom and more focus on making sure that students have a chance during law school to get out there into the community or in simulated environments and actually start to practice law. I see so many different kinds of clinics, including pro bono work. So that, I think, is really exciting. I see a huge amount of energy around finding ways to incorporate emerging technologies into the law school curriculum. Obviously, technologies like artificial intelligence, machine learning, and so on, are having a profound impact on the practice of law and the business of law. And law schools are experimenting with how to incorporate that into their curriculum. Some are teaching classes on the technology and the practice of law. Some are choosing interdisciplinary approaches, partnering with the computer science departments, for example, at their university, if they're part of a larger university, to actually give law students opportunities to learn coding and to become adept at, at machine learning and artificial intelligence. There's so many different ways that they're tackling this question of technology. That's probably where I see the most excitement right now. And then the last thing I would touch on is practice readiness. This has been a theme for several years, and I see this accelerating as well. Obviously, law firms would really like to see law graduates come in ready to add value to contracts and client interactions and so on on day one. And so law schools are really thinking hard about how to balance their doctrinal education with practical skills training. And I see a lot of interesting ideas around that. So I, I would characterize the state of play in the community right now as thousand flowers. There's so many different things happening and it's going to be fascinating to see which ones rise to the top and become mainstream. I love that you mentioned coding because I created a self-teaching Python group on Slack this year and I'm still I'm about halfway through a Code Academy class on Python and while I don't know that I'm going to be able to code some AI bot I think that I can recognize the difference and in fact when I was in Professor Tenenbaum's lab I saw something on a screen and I said I know for sure that's not Python, and we had a little bit of a laugh about that. So what do you think will change about the law school curriculum to help drive some of these innovation and career opportunities for their students in 2019? I think at the start, it's going to take the form of providing more options to students. So I think the, the basic curriculum, uh, the 1L curriculum and the major electives and so on, I think it's going to stay very stable, but law schools are going to provide more and more options to students so that they can pursue their passion. And, and that's what I see happening right now. Making coding, for example, available to students through interdisciplinary relationships or making optional courses in, in the January intersemester period, the, the, the two-week, three-week courses that so many law schools run to students who want to do a, a deep focus on some aspect of emerging technology. And so all of this right now is sitting alongside the, the traditional legal curriculum. And I think it's helping make sure that students are just broadening their appeal and broadening their value to potential employers, which I think is great. I think over the next 10 to 15 years, we'll start to see some of this become mainstream, as I said, and, and then it, it, it may replace some pieces of the traditional curriculum, uh, obviously not the major courses, but I would expect to see over time law schools rebalancing a little bit. Some of the things that used to be full-year courses might become half-year courses to make room for practical lawyering skills or for technology, 
I think it's hard to predict exactly what this rebalancing will be, but that is surely the form that it will take over the next 10 to 15 years. This is Ari Kaplan speaking with Vikram Savkar, the Vice President and General Manager of International and Higher Education Markets at Walters Kluwer Legal and Regulatory. Vikram, thank you so very much. My pleasure. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to talk with me, Ari. Thank you for listening to the Reinventing Professionals podcast. Visit ReinventingProfessionals.com or AriKaplanAdvisors.com to learn more.